be at wild last. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah. So easily offended. Uh The Weekend Wager with Anita Marks starts now. That's right. That's right. It is Weekend Wager. You're on 98.7 ESPN. Brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. Late start tonight, but it's cool. Uh, big reason why. Knicks were hosting the Miami Heat um, at the Garden in, uh, in Manhattan. And uh, unfortunately, it's kind of like a double-edged sword here, unfortunately, because uh, the Knicks, they did lose by 15. Uh, by the way, that spread opened up at three and a half. And then uh, by kickoff, it jumped up to six. Uh, full disclosure, um, I had the heat uh, minus six. My, my favorite play in this matchup was a uh, prop bet, and that was uh, Lowry, Kyle Lowry, over 23 and a half points, assist and rebounds combined. Sure enough, he finished with 19 points, four assists, and nine rebounds. So uh, both those plays hit. But man, uh, I didn't get the memo. I didn't get the R.J. Barrett memo. No, I did not. 46 points tonight, two assists, nine rebounds. And uh, what a career night for him coming off of, of course, not just the All-Star break, but also... Uh, don't forget, he's been sitting for a hot second because of that ankle injury. So, you know, he puts up 46. What did everybody else do? Julius Randle, only 11 points. Uh, Robinson, zero points, but contributed, of course, underneath the glass with nine rebounds, uh, one steal, one block. And uh, Burks, of course, is playing for Kimball Walker, who's out for the season. 12 points, eight rebounds, two assists. And Fournier, uh, 13 points. He was three of 10 from downtown. So, you know, I will say this. I, I mean, listen, it, it's a loss. I think, well, not that I think, I, I mean, let's all, let's all be honest here. Um, you know, the, the, the understanding that, uh, you know, the, the Knicks are, are now in a position where really they should be looking forward to next season and, and really kind of uh, figuring out what they're going to do moving forward, what changes they're going to make, uh, in free agency, uh, because it, it's evident this uh, Kimball Walker Fournier experiment—I'll call it an experiment—did uh, not work this season. Uh, and and again, I know this is going to sound crazy, but just the mere fact that the Knicks only lost by 15 to me, and 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 of course watching this game, and uh, you know there there were there were times where it was it was close. You know, I, I honestly I don't know about you guys, but I honestly was expecting. A complete blowout, which, by the way, I'm, I'm curious. We've got Brian and Jacob who produce the show like they do each and every Friday night. Uh, gentlemen, you know, again, I, it's kind of it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, you know, the Knicks lost again, right? 13 and 18 at home, 25 and 35 on the season. Woe is me. They're probably going to continue to lose. They don't even have a point guard or like a legit point guard on this team. Of course, Walker's out. Derek Rose, who knows when he's going to be back again. Um and yeah, I mean, listen, they lost by 15, but I, like I was expecting them to lose by, th I don't know about you guys, like I was expecting them to get their butts handed to them. Like this is the first time that, you know, you got the, the and some might feel that a, a 15 point loss is getting their butts handed to them. I don't know. But, um, you know, this is, to me, the Heat are one of the best teams in the NBA. They're competing to try to finish number one in the East. 
Uh, I had a, a great stat I came across uh, prior to the game today. Do you know that the Heat's five legit starters have only played 59 minutes together this season? Just marinate. Can we just, can we just marinate in that for a minute? The Miami Heat's starters, like, all right, here's our starting five at the beginning of the season, have only played a total of 59 minutes together. And look where they're at. So, coming off of the All-Star break, you know, um, Hero played 31 minutes. He's been on the bench. So you had, you know, Bam, you had Hero, you had Butler, Tucker, Lowry, Robert. Like, you know, they had all their starters. Even without all their starters, they still have the sixth best defense in the NBA. They average 111 points a game. And the Knicks without a point guard, let's be honest. Like, like, and, and again, I, I know it sounds might sound crazy to some people. Like, yeah, they lost by 15. I was, I was expecting them to lose by 30. Did you, and, 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 and again, watching the game, there were moments. There were moments where, wow, hey, the Knicks are in this. Like, they're keeping it close. They're keeping this a game. Um, did, you, did you guys feel the same way watching this game or, or not? I think watching it, I was just waiting for the collapse on my end. Um, I've seen, especially right. lately, like it's been a number of Knicks games where I'm just like, well, I mean, it's coming soon. I know it's coming, but I don't know when. So to see him be a little bit competitive in that third or even fourth quarter was uh, something good. But I just wanted more from the team itself, though. Uh, yeah, like I said, you know, it's it's kind of – it's it's. It's a double-edged sword, not only in regards to the loss, but also the fact that, you know, R.J. Barrett comes back and, and has this phenomenal game. Not a lot of other guys were able to contribute, uh, but, you know, it, it, it is what it is. 800-919-3776. Quick break. We come back. David Behrman is going to, uh, is going to join us. Uh, let's dive into some, uh, some, some, it is a gambling show. Let's, let's try to get help you to, if you didn't win money tonight in the NBA, I certainly did all my plays, not all of them. Uh, I need, I need Luca to put up, uh, 30, 32 points. Doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, there's only about five minutes left and he's only got 18 points. So unless this goes into overtime, which it could, uh, Dallas is up one Oh two to 100. Who knows? Maybe it goes into overtime. We'll see what happens. But, um, other than that, I, I, I'm I'm having a, a quite a good night tonight. Not going to lie about it. So, uh, but there's still there's a lot to be had. You've got uh, a great golf tournament that's taking place um, down in Florida. It's the Florida Swing. Uh, the PGA Tour has made their way from the East Coast to the the West Coast to the East Coast. Also, a lot of great college basketball games on tap for tomorrow as we get closer to March Madness. We'll talk about those. And uh, and also Cynthia Freeland is going to join us on the sh- on the show. There's there's right now as we are just you know in the thick of free agency, um, and and what can happen there where everybody's waiting to see what happens with Devontae Adams and you know you we've got this huge off season of a big quarterback carousel that is about to take place. So Cynthia joins us on the show to break that down. And then I'll share with you all the fantastic ways you can wager on that as well. 800-919-3776. Nina Marks with you on this Friday night. You're listening to We Can Wager. Uh, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your bet. Believe in your game. BetMGM Sports right here on 98.7 ESPN. 
late start to our show because uh, the uh, the Knicks and the Heat, long game that was, that was for sure. Um, and of course, uh, unfortunately, the Knicks, they do lose to the Heat, uh, 110 to 115. David Behrman joins us here on 98.7 ESPN like he does every pretty much every Friday. I like to call him the gatekeeper of everything we do gambling at ESPN. David, hi. Good evening. How you doing? Good, good. Now that the Heat won, not to tick off your audience, but you know where I'm from, where you're from, and so it was actually a good result. I know you said unfortunately, but as far as I'm concerned, it was a good result. Well, I have to say unfortunately for our listeners, but uh, you know, but full transparency, and I said this when I opened up the show, I had the Miami Heat minus six, um, and 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 again, like in full transparency and in full honesty, I thought the I thought the score was going to be worse. I I thought the Heat were going to win by thirty. So well, they sort of did. They were down ten nothing. They were they're down ten nothing and one by ten. So it's not one by twenty if you think about it. That's true. That's true. That's true. I, I just you know I mean listen, R.J. Barrett, you know, putting up close to fifty points. God bless him, right? Like possibly best game of his career. So, um, but get this, okay? I'm not sure. Did you watch Daily Wager tonight? I, wa- I saw parts of it. I didn't see the whole thing. I had two little kids screaming at each other during it, so I saw parts of it. Oh, great. Really? Is that what, hap- is <laughs> that what happens? Home all day. Is that what happens in the Behrman? Is no that what happens here. In, in the compound? Let is that what happens? <laughs> they, were, they were home all day, didn't leave their PJs. The iPads died at some point during the day. They didn't want to go upstairs Ugh. and charge it, so yeah, that happened. Oh, poor babies. They want to go upstairs and charge their iPads. Um I every every oh, yeah. single every single one of and, and I still have one play. I I've got the I've got the Clippers plus three. They're up on the Lakers right now, forty nine to thirty three, about four minutes left in, in, in the second quarter in the first half. But every single one of my bets hit except my best bet. And right now, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this game will go into Luca. overtime. Uh, yep, Luca over 31.5 points. He's got 23 right now, about two minutes left in the fourth. Dallas is up 107 to 105. But can you – Philadelphia won. Nobody wanted to take – everybody was shying away from Philadelphia. No, Harden's first game, blah, 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 blah. 133 to 102. Are you kidding me? Um Hey, if you run the uh, table, if you run the table with everything but your best bet, it's still a good night. And make sure you tell Douglas that on Monday when you're back on the show, because he'll rag you about your best bet. You'll yeah, yeah, that's because because at the at the end of the, at the end of the day, that's all that matters, right? Is is what? Hey, what what was what's your best bet? Okay, doesn't matter that like my other you know ten picks hit. Anyway, enough about me. Let's talk about you, and let's talk about what's going on. Uh, the, the Honda Classic. Uh, true story. First time I met Tiger Woods was at the Honda Classic. He was 16 years old. And, uh, and, I, and I, interviewed, story, the first thing I, I, ever, I interviewed him. First, Tiger is probably a better story than I'm going to say. I, said, I was going to tell you that the very first thing I did in my now 25-plus years in the business was work the Honda Classic when I was a junior in high school way, way, way back when it was at the Weston Hills Country Club. Weston Hills Country yeah. Club, baby, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was one of the one of the kids holding the signs, the signs that weighed more than I did, um, in the twenty five to thirty mile hour winds, trying to walk the fairways with those big signs. Uh, that Sunday, that first year, I drew Brandel Chambly and Davis Love the Third as the pairing. They were the leaders. 
going into Sunday's rounds. I got to walk on NBC every hole, um, and both of them played like crap, and Nick Price won from above. But still, it was fun, and that was the very first thing I did, first credential, first program, first anything in the business that now has led to what you would call me as the gatekeeper. So it all started at the Honda Classic in 1994. Interesting. So, to, so I mean, that's 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 a great story there as well. Um, but yeah, so my first, my first encounter, my first interview, my first time meeting Tiger Woods, the very young age of sixteen, playing in a sponsor's exemption uh, in the Honda Classic, and uh, and all I remember is he was this little skinny little thing swimming in a big red shirt. Um, but anyway, uh, so the Honda Classic continues. And you've got uh, Berger, who's at the top of the leaderboard right now. He is 10 under, and uh, so he's got a three-shot lead over Chris Kirk. Really, to me, these are the two guys that we really should be talking about. Now, I'm going to give myself some more props, and that is I picked Berger the column to win. And I felt it was a risky pick for me, David, because of his back issue. And that is why I didn't take him to win, yeah. but I did take him in the column. I took him top 10, top 20, right. um, not up at the top. And I wrote that in there that the reason I wasn't taking him to win was because of the back. As mm-hmm. we know, he had to withdraw a few weeks ago, and then he missed the cut in his first event back. He's had back issues before. That being said, we've talked about this before on this show, and I've talked about it on other shows. You've talked about it on Daily Wager. You wait and see see how he plays in the first round. If he looks healthy, you jump in. I did that this morning. I jumped in at plus 280 after seeing him play the first couple of holes this morning on ESPN+. Plus. It's always good that, that PGA Tour Live now on ESPN+. Plus. Um, and now I, I have joined you in the Daniel Berger sweepstakes. Now, I don't have the long odds that you got before the tournament, but I do have him at plus 280, and I feel pretty comfortable about it with this three-shot lead and not many good names behind him either. No, uh, Sanjay M was favored coming in. And, and again, big reason why was because of that, that back issue. Uh, Sanjay M didn't even make the cut. Uh, so now Berger, obviously, beyond the back issue. And coming into this tournament, him and M were uh, two of the best golfers that were teeing up. A lot of guys, they take this week off getting ready for the PGA Championship. So anyway, so Berger, again, at the top of leaderboard right now, 10 under, heading into Saturday and Sunday. He's got about a 60, 61% chance of winning this thing. Um, Kirk, who's right behind him, Chris Kirk, three shots back. He's, uh, he sits about a 10% shot of winning this. Both of them, if you look at their stats in regard to strokes gained, tee to green, strokes gained total, strokes gained on approach, they're both in the top 10 in a, num- a number of categories, and that's why they're doing so well. So uh, with that being said, Berger, yeah. minus, minus 120 to win. Uh, Chris Kirk, 7-1. to one. Obviously, the value is if you want to fade Berger and see if Chris can catch up to him and, and surpass him uh, the next two days, there's value there at 7-1. to one. Is that how you would play this? I mean, I like Berger here. Obviously, there's value in taking the guy in second place who's absurdly 7-1 to one because he's three strokes back. And all it takes is one bad hole with 15 holes having water on it for this lead to change. But I just like the, the way Berger's playing, and, and you and I agreed ahead of the week that if healthy, this is Berger's tournament. The, the, the course suits him perfectly. His game is built 
for this type of course where you have to play it smart, you have to have good irons, you have to play the wind, you have to avoid the water. He's played well here before. It was a no-brainer pick if you knew he was healthy. And what he has shown over the first two rounds is that I mean, he's, he's the only one who's put two rounds together, two sixty-fives. You look at everybody else, and, yeah, Hubbard shot seven under today, but he's in par yesterday and vice versa for other people in the field. If Berger stays healthy, and, again, tweak your back at any point in time, ask Tiger Woods, then this is going to be his triumph here uh, in his home state. Uh, but 7-1 to one is, is not a bad play on Kirk that I might entertain because I have investments in Berger, as do you. Um, so it's not a bad one. But throwing a note out there for uh, one of my friends, Chris Murphy, who writes for the Action Network, threw this out on Twitter about two hours ago. If you look at everybody within seven shots of Daniel Berger, only one of them is in the top 50 in the world rankings, and that's at number 50 would be Open champion Shane Lowry. Everybody else is a 107th or worse. So there's one player within seven shots of Daniel Berger in the top 100, and that's Shane Lowry at 50. So not a lot of big names behind him. You go further back, you'll see Brooks Kepka and others. Uh, but it looks like it is a two-man race, and I would pretty much say unless Berger gets in trouble – and getting in trouble means Kirk avoiding trouble. I think that this will be a weekend triumph for Daniel Berger. In uh, looking at some of the matchups here, David, um, you know, you've got – this is a good one. You know, Louis against uh, Brooks Koepka. Uh, Louis, Louis favored there at minus 120. Horschel against Palmer. Horschel favored by 145. Berger going up against Kirk. Burger minus one eighty. Too too much juice for me. Um, if anything, you know, maybe you know, you you want to play Kirk? Okay, uh, not for me. Uh, is there is there a matchup out here that uh, that strikes you? K H Lee minus one fifteen against Ricky Fowler. How about Keith Mitchell minus one fifteen against Chris Bez? Is, is there a matchup here heading into tomorrow that uh, that you have your eye on? Yeah, I'm going to throw one name out there, and it's the caveat that he better hit a couple of putts. But if you look at the shots gained by uh, fellow Chilean Nito uh, Pereira, who was a popular pick this week as well. I took him in the top 10 and 20 uh, markets as well. Uh, he's facing Lee Westwood tomorrow. And if you look at what Pereira has done so far this week, he's in the top 15 in every shots gained category except for putting where he's 120th. And that's a problem. He's lost 2.3 shots to the field in putting. So he's got to make the putts or, or he's going to lose and he's not going to finish in the top 10 or top 20. But the way he is stroking the ball has at least told me that if the putter wakes up, start reading these greens. And, you know, sometimes it takes more than a weekend to figure it out. But the guy has hit the ball as well as Berger and Kurt. He just isn't hitting any putts. So I'm going to play him tomorrow against Lee Westwood. I'm also going to take him to finish in the top 10 at plus 330, He's only two shots back in the top ten, and again, he's got to get a putt to drop because he's hitting the ball well, he's staying out of trouble, and he's playing the course, but he just can't make a putt. Um, before we let you go, uh, some a lot of college basketball action tomorrow. Uh, I don't, I don't know about you, but now is about the time that I really, really start t- paying attention to college basketball. One game that I'm looking forward to. Is, uh, is Kansas and Baylor tomorrow. There's a lot of good ones. Kentucky and Arkansas, Auburn and Tennessee. I love Murray State. I think Murray State's going to make some noise. 
in 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 the postseason. Obviously, here in our own backyard, folks looking for Rutgers to possibly upset Wisconsin tomorrow. That tip off is at six o'clock. Wisconsin thirteenth ranked. Um, Gonzaga against St. Mary's as well. That's a good one. I want you to let the folks know as uh, we get closer to March Madness and Selection Sunday, where can they go to find all of our information and in, in trying to help them win some money throughout the tournament? Absolutely. ESPN Chalk. In fact, uh, Dallin Cuff, one of our college basketball analysts who you see on Daily Wager, as well as calling games to the ACC Network, he actually put a piece out this morning of taking the committee's top 16 teams and doing buy or fade on those top 16 teams based on their futures. That's out on ESPN Chalk right now. Um, talk about tomorrow, a lot of, a lot of good teams on the road, Purdue's on the road at Sparty, Kentucky's at Arkansas, Auburn at Tennessee. You mentioned, um, you mentioned Arizona on the road at Colorado, Kansas at Baylor, Gonzaga, St. Mary. So a lot of ranked teams on the road tomorrow. So you could see a big shape up, shake up. But if you want to get those bets in now before some of those big teams lose tomorrow, go read uh, Dallin's column that's on ESPN Chalk right now, as well as, and I think it was in your in- inbox today, Anita, our brand-new NBA betting and fantasy cheat sheet. We revealed it yesterday. Anita's going to be part of it coming up. Andre Snellings, Eric Moody, it's a one-stop shop cheat sheet for all things fantasy and betting. You're going to get it every single day around noon, 1 o'clock. Again, ESPN Chalk, or follow us on Twitter, DBearman ESPN. We'll be tweeting them out as well. Fantastic. David, thank you. Always appreciate it. Have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you. Enjoy, and uh, let's go Daniel Berger. It's the only time I'll ever root for a Florida State Seminole. Okay, there you go. Of course, being a Gator yourself. (laughs) All right, again, you're listening to Weekend Wager here on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to Weekend Wager here on 98.7 ESPN. And joining us now is Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. We're going to take our tour around the NFL and find out what is the latest in regards to the quarterback carousel. And Cynthia, let's start first and foremost here in our own backyard with Daniel Jones. Giants have some decisions to make uh, in, in, in coming up soon uh, this next month. What to do with Daniel Jones? Do they pick up his fifth-year option? Do they not? Uh, there's other things, other avenues uh, that they can do, possibly f- franchise tag him in 2023. What do you feel the Giants should do when it comes to Daniel Jones? Whew. Well, this is interesting because it's obviously the first time that they've been working together with his staff, and Daniel Jones will have an adjustment period no matter what. So interestingly, I, I think it's probably the, – the thing about the franchise tag for next year or the, the, you know what's going to happen when the salary cap does go up this season – it's going to be about $208.2 million. That's where it's projected right now. That's not as high as we thought it was going to be this time last year. But next year, there's some TV deals that will fall into place. So it should be considerably higher, which means it would be very smart to franchise tag him. Or, I mean, sorry, to, to exercise a fifth-year option because the franchise tag is probably going to be quite hefty, especially considering some of these other quarterbacks that could be moving locations, changing the, you know, the, the formula that goes into the franchise tag. So they could tag him even if they didn't intend on using it as this way to, you know, secure this long-term future. It could be more about securing a financial obligation that minimizes their risk. I'm with you. I've been saying it, you know, you know, quarterback. I know when you say, oh, let's pay the quarterback $20 million, a lot of people are flabbergasted. But in this day and age, especially when it comes to free agency, that's, that's a deal these days. <laughs> a quarterback at $20 million is a deal these days. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. 
uh, <laughs> again, I want us to take a tour around because obviously is, you know, free agency is, is, is heating up as we get closer, obviously to the draft as well. And I know you're going to be in Indianapolis. Yes. I'm a little jelly about that. I wish I was there with you, uh, but nonetheless, um, we're, we're going to see a lot of quarterback movement here this off season, and it's going to be fun. So uh, let's start with uh, the biggest news, and that's everybody waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers does. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Is his decision waiting to see what the organization does with Devontae Adams? What do you think is the holdup in regard to Aaron saying, okay, I'm all in, I'm yours for as long as I'm going to play in the NFL. Um, let's get this Let's get this party started. Wh- what do you see happening here with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? I don't know what I think the holdup is right now, but I do believe that Aaron Rodgers will remain a Green Bay Packer. For one standpoint, you have to look to see some of the other teams he's rumored to be you know, linked with. They're in the AFC. Let's name all the AFC quarterbacks. You can sit here and wait. It's going to be great, right? You've got Patrick. You've got Joe Burrow. You've got Josh Allen. There's a really long list of really good quarterbacks. Let's name the ones that are guaranteed to be in the NFC. Well, Tom Brady's gone. Russell Wilson seemingly gone as well. Let's see here. That path to the playoffs as a Packer is significantly easier than if you were going to be a Denver Bronco, for example. That's a way easier situation. So you think that's going to be the driving force, and you do believe that Aaron's going to stay in Green Bay? I don't know. I think driving force will be some version of, I think there's some ego involved here, so some version of kind of getting the quote-unquote power that he wants, whatever that means, be it kind of figuring out the Devontae Adams, like being integral part of creating his deal. Whatever power source he wants, I think that's going to be the difference maker, right? Like, does he get the power he wants? Yes or no. And if he doesn't, then he goes elsewhere because the money will be very high everywhere. So uh, the reports this week that a number of teams have uh, put in their bids, their offers, what they're willing to give up for Aaron Rodgers. And apparently reports are there's quite a few teams. One that sticks out to me is the Denver Broncos. Uh, So that leads me to ask a few questions. Number one, if Aaron leaves Green Bay, do you think that is the more likely landing place for him? Number one. Number two, if he goes or does not go, what do you think happens with Teddy Bridgewater? I think that, I mean, look, the, the Broncos are for sale, and there's a bit of a conspiracy theorist in me that believes that whether or not the Broncos really think they are in contention, uh, it is smart for them to put out those reports because if your team's for sale and you have the at least illusion that you're going to be getting one of, if not the best quarterbacks, you know, in the league remaining, then that could be a that's a that that drives the, the value of the franchise. So I would be putting out every single rumor potentially possible either. But look, I don't know about, I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is their solution. It kind of feels like they, at least in part, have moved on, especially with like all the, the talk about Drew Locke. And, you know, you start to hear all these things come out. You haven't really heard much about Teddy Bridgewater. You haven't, I haven't really heard anything either way, which leads me to believe that they're trying to preserve his value, but maybe, you know, somewhere else. Um, so, so let's say the Denver Broncos, they don't win the Aaron Rodgers uh, sweepstakes. They move on from Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not a big Drew Locke fan. I mean, do you feel that just uh, by process of elimination, it's Drew Locke? Or can you see another quarterback making his way to the Denver Broncos? Oh, I definitely don't think that Drew Locke is a solution. I think that's like something they say to be like, see, we've got options, right? We don't need you. We, we've got options. 
But I, I think another quarterback ends up there. I'm not sure which one. And I think we could see some surprises in terms of who we believe are starters and who we don't necessarily think of as starters, at least as of whatever day it is today, February 25th, right? So or 26th, whatever day it is, you know, the end of February. So ultimately what, what you're seeing here is you're, they're going to create optionality for themselves, right? They're going to try to find, okay, you know, where does Deshaun Watson end up? Like that could have huge ramifications as well. And is Jimmy Garoppolo really leading? There's a lot of things that could potentially happen. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been linked everywhere, right? So who knows? Who knows where? I mean, but I don't I, – unfortunately, I don't think it's Drew Locke if not Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's going to go like Aaron Rodgers, then Drew Locke. I think there's – Aaron Rodgers might be, you know, option number one, and then I think there's like several other options before Drew Locke. Cynthia Freeland joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. You mentioned Deshaun Watson. Let's go I'm, – I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm going across the board here, right? Like let's, let's, let's try let's, – let's connect the dots. Let's see where this all falls right now. Deshaun Watson, what is the latest? I, I know a number of teams are waiting to hear, um, you know, what the report is in regard to the 22 cases that have been filed. Uh, the NFL doing their research. Is he going to be, if he doesn't get punished in our legal system, will he be punished by the NFL? Where, where does all that stand right now? I honestly have no idea. I think that this will be something where next week when everyone's together in Indy, this will be something that some people who are more interested, you know, have a, a more of a vested interest in figuring out the right answer. will have, we'll, we'll find more answers next week when, most people are together when a lot of league officials are together. I have not heard anything other than that it's in a holding pattern and that the Texans are looking to part ways with him, which is pretty much what we've been hearing now for quite some time. So I, you know, it's, it's, this one's going to be really interesting to, to follow because it just feels like, it feels like we have very little information and very little information that at least, you know, like we have a lot of, we have a lot of um, conjecture, but nothing, nothing, nothing that's concrete. Russell Wilson uh, with with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. What's your take there? What's your gut telling you there, Cynthia? I don't know why he'd want to leave. I mean, I, I'm sure he has his reasons. I do not think Russell Wilson is going to be in Seattle either. I think I think Aaron stays and Russell goes. And I, th- I don't know where he goes, but I think there's a market for him. There's a lot of teams that could use his services. There's a lot of people. I mean, Carolina needs a quarterback, and, you know, Scott Fitter had come from Seattle. So there, there are some people who have very good knowledge of exactly what Russell Wilson brings to a team and how valuable he is. I don't know. I don't know where he'll end up. And obviously, when he's coming back from an injury, we have heard less from him than we typically do in you know this time of uh, this time of year. This time of year, he's like you know signing like you know we, we had just seen him at an award show and whatever. But no, we we've heard less from him. So, uh, but I do not think he ends up in in Seattle. Um, what's going on with Kyler Murray, Murray and, uh, and, and the Arizona Cardinals? Looks like there's some, uh, some, some fences that need to be mended there. You know, it always looks interesting from the outside because these things all, like, who knows what, what's going to really happen. It feels like if there's going to be a good time of year for a rift, this is it when no one's around each other anyways, and then they all will get back to work because most of these people are very, you know, they're professionals. They know what they're doing here. So I, I don't know. I think this is all a lot of, you know, weird, I don't know. I think I look at it and I'm like, this is, this is a lot. <laughs> it just seems like a lot of feelings. So, you know, like I, I'm not sure what's, what's all going on here. <laughs> it does seem like a lot. Um, what about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo? You know, I, I find this interesting. You know, I, I don't believe that Trey Lance is ready to play. 
I don't believe that if he starts for the 49ers, Cynthia, that there'll be a team that will compete in their division, let alone to try to get back to the, the, the postseason and, and, and try to make a run. And they are a team that's equipped and ready to win now. I don't understand the idea and the philosophy of trading Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, from what I understand this week, reports came out that maybe, you know, that's not going to be the case. What are you hearing about the 49ers? You know, we always talk about this during the season. Kyle Shanahan is a lying liar who lies. Like, it's not, you know, it's, he doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't have to tell us anything, like, right now. He really doesn't. Like, we, you know, there are, we... We like it when we hear the truth, but like we don't know that, and he doesn't—he he doesn't need to tell us. So he said everything. He also remember he said one time like he doesn't know if he's going to be here on Sunday, and like all these things. There's been a lot of change there, just in general. I mean, look at all the people who have departed, right? Like they—they they lost another set just this week, you know, to Kentucky, and you know, obviously the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins comes from his organization, and Wes Welker went with him, and they, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of change along that offense. So I wouldn't be surprised if. You know, a lot. I think a lot going to keep changing. I just don't think that Kyle, Kyle Shanahan doesn't know us anything. And you know, the first person to acknowledge that is is Kyle Shanahan. He doesn't know. He doesn't know the media anything. He, and he doesn't certainly like to to clue us in on much. What about Derek Carr and and the Raiders? New regime there. There's some talk and speculation that they might trade him. I don't know to the Pittsburgh Steelers. The, St- the Steelers, as we know, need a quarterback because Ben Roethlisberger is gone. I don't think we're all sold on Mason Rudolph. I know there's talk that maybe they'll draft a quarterback, but uh, what are your thoughts on Derek Carr and the Raiders? I mean, I feel like if has anyone had said their job speculated about more than Derek Carr, like it doesn't he feel like he's like one inch from being cut every single like every year this yes. time of year. It's like, yes. will Derek Carr be there? <laughs> My goodness, like we have we have fired him a million times in the media. So I, I don't know, like it, it feels as though there's a lot of quarterback carousel situation potential this season just all around the league. Like do I believe that Derek Carr will be part of that? I think it's, it, I'm sure that there will be some, you know, some someone will call and ask because there will be curiosity. But I, I don't see him moving on either. And I just think this is, this is just what we are. Like, you know, we always speculate about Ben Roethlisberger retiring. Well, now he finally has. But we always speculate about whether or not what's going on with Derek Carr. Is he going to remain a Raider? Well, every year it's the same conversation about Derek Carr. Will he still be a Raider? Will he, we don't know. Will he? Like, it's crazy. Two more I want to throw your way before I let you go, uh, and that is Carson Wentz with the Colts. Obviously a very disappointing season. There's talk and speculation that, uh, that he could be traded. Um, do you think he is? I do. I think he, I think he departs and not because I like, I I don't have a strong lean here, but I think that this team recognizes, I mean, the division right now that they're in, I know that the Jags will be better, but they're still not going to be great. I still like, maybe, maybe I'm wrong there, but it doesn't feel like they're going to go from, you know, drafting first overall in the draft two times in a row to a Super Bowl. I know that the Bengals did something kind of similar, but you know, (laughs) doesn't, it certainly doesn't feel like that at least right now. And I don't think that the Texans – I have no idea what's going on with the Texans. I don't know if anyone does. And I think that means with two teams depleted in your division, it puts the opportunity and the, the, the ability to make it to the playoffs. It makes it a little bit easier. So I think it'd be, it's going to be a very, very interesting situation. But I, I don't know. I, I, I think, like I said, you've got to take advantage of the situation. The situation is if they get a good quarterback right now with that O-line, that run game, and they add a few pieces on defense – they could make a run simply because their division has been depleted. Make it easier, at least. Last one for you, and that's Kirk Cousins uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. Hearing some talk 
uh, and where there's uh, smoke, there's fire, that uh, possibly he will not return to the Minnesota Vikings. What do you think happens there? I mean, they've got a, the Vikings have a lot of questions to address. They've got their defense needs a lot of help. They're, they're in kind of weird shape for what we think of the Dolphins, and, or the, the Vikings, rather. And if you think about it, this is another team where if Aaron Rodgers departs that division, it becomes a much different division. The Lions have a lot of work still. They're going to keep, you know, they're going to turn their, make their turnaround happen. I, I, I'm not a big buyer in that. The Bears, they're still, they've, they've got some question marks, too. We think Justin Fields was good, but we don't know yet, and and it remains to be seen. So, if they're going to say if they're going to if they're going to say we're we're going for this now, then they'll have to. Kirk Cousins would have to be a part of this, otherwise it doesn't. You know, it, it like no, <laughs> they have to either choose to commit to him or kind of start a complete rebuild. So I think that they do keep him, and they ultimately end up going with the rebuild, or not the rebuild, you- the the, the uh- win. Cynthia, as, as I mean, you know, we, we could we could sit here. We could t- you've already been on with me for over 10 minutes. Like, you know, we could sit here. We could talk about this for a good hour. Uh, the the quarterback carousel, never a dull moment in the NFL. And again, I know you're heading to Indianapolis uh, for the combine. And I'm sure you're going to get uh, chock full of juicy tidbits and information uh, in regard to all the action that's going to take place around the NFL when it comes to the quarterback situation. It's, it's going to be really a very, very fun and active offseason, that's for sure. Always appreciate your time, uh, my friends. And like I said, I'm Jelly. I wish I was going to Indianapolis with you, but um, but it's always good to hear your voice. Great to be on. I miss you. I can't wait to see you. I'm sad you're not going to be there, but I'll be sure to report back whatever interesting nuggets that I learned. And you know we always get one or two big weirdo things there, so I'll be sure to report back to you whatever I learned. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll get you back on again uh, once you get back from the combine. So, uh, so, so Perfect. appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much. All right. I want to thank Cynthia Freeland for joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Again, this is a gambling show. So a lot of uh, information there on where she thinks certain quarterbacks are going to go. Uh, she'll know more, of course, after the combine. We'll get her back on. But keep in mind, you can gamble on players' futures, on where you think they're going to go. Like, for example, first snap for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, minus 280. So Cynthia just said she thinks Aaron Rodgers is going to stay in Green Bay and be a Packer, the road to the Super Bowl, easier through his division and that NFC more so than the AFC. Jordan Love is 3-1. to one. Any rookie quarterback, any other rookie quarterback is plus 750. Listen, with what the Green Bay Packers gave up to go get Jordan Love, it's either Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. Obviously, you have more value on Jordan Love if you get it at plus money, 3-1, to Aaron Rodgers minus 280. In regard to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who's going to have the first snap in the regular season game one? Mason Rudolph right now is favored at two to one. It's still plus money, uh, but Dwayne Haskins is at four to one. I wouldn't go there. I do believe that if it's between those two guys, it's going to be Mason Rudolph over Dwayne Haskins. Any rookie quarterback, could they draft Willis? Could they draft Pickett? Possibly. That's at plus 750. Uh, Jameis Winston at plus 850. Jimmy Garoppolo at nine to one. Teddy Bridgewater, 10 to one. Carson Wentz, 10 to one. Russell Wilson is in that mix at 11 to 1. Aaron Rodgers at 11 to 1 as well. So uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, you know, it's always fun to get on these futures bets and then sit back and see how it all plays out. So, uh, but listen, we appreciate you tuning in to Weekend Wager here on 98.7 ESPN. As always, I'm back on the air, airwaves tomorrow at noon. So make sure you tune in 
for that. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of college basketball talk, getting you ready for March Madness tomorrow as well as we get closer to Selection Sunday. And uh, if you know anything about me, I love doing a deep dive into March Madness. It's one of my favorite times of the year. So we want to thank you all for uh, for listening. Again, thank you, Jacob and Brian, for producing the show. You guys rock. Uh, you've been listening to Week in Wager, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.